Good morning, morning. and congratulations to all of our graduates. We're uh, so proud of every one of you and the accomplishments that you have made. Well, today, I would like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 36 and 37, and I've entitled the message, Have You Counted the Cost? of being lost. We're really looking at what it costs not to be a Christian. You know, when you stop and think about it, the Bible is not only a book of answers, but the Bible is a book that asks some of the greatest questions of life. In the book of Genesis, after Adam and Eve sinned, God asked Adam, where art thou? Cain was asked uh, asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? Job asked the question, if a man dies, shall he live again? Pontius Pilate asked the question, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Over in the book of Hebrews, the writer asked the question, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. So there are all these questions that are asked in the Bible. And Jesus himself asked what perhaps may be the greatest one or two questions of all time in the text that we're going to look at this morning. Actually, two questions occur in this passage. Let's look at it in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 and 37. Jesus asked, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? How do you answer those questions? How do you go about determining what it costs to be lost? In these verses, I believe that Jesus gives us three considerations that you have to take into account when you consider the cost of being lost. The first consideration involves the value of your soul. Do you realize that inside of you this morning you have a precious commodity that we refer to as a soul? And your soul is of extreme value. That's why Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? So your soul is very, very valuable. Now when we think about determining the value of anything, there are several factors that go into that. First of all, there is workmanship. Workmanship determines the value on something. Who made it? Who produced it? A lot of people are interested in these designer labels that are on your shirts and on your clothing. And who made that particular item of clothing? Listen, you have a label on you this morning that says designed by God. 
You were made by Almighty God. You were not formed in the image of a single-celled amoeba floating on the scum of a pond somewhere. You were not formed as an ancestor of a monkey. You were formed in the image of God Himself. God made man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul, the Bible says. And so workmanship, the workmanship of your soul, means that your soul is of great value. God made you. God designed you. But then a second factor in determining value is durability. How long will something last? That helps determine its value. We usually expect to pay a little bit more money for something that will last longer than an inferior kind of a product, don't we? And the truth is, your soul is of great durability because it's going to last. It's going to last beyond this life and on and on into eternity. Somewhere in eternity, when you breathe your last breath here, your soul will live on in eternity. Durability determines the value of your soul. But then number three, demand. Demand is something that determines value. You've heard the law of supply and demand in economics. Well, your soul, it's in great demand. The devil would like to have your soul. The devil would like to have it. He came to kill and steal and destroy, the Bible says, and that's what he wants to do with you. But God wants your soul. And God loves you and your soul is of such demand to God that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross of Calvary for you. He died for your soul. And if you ever question whether or not God loves you, just look to the cross, look to Calvary, see the Savior hanging there, dying for your sin and my sin, the sins of the whole world, and you'll understand that your soul is of great demand to God. But then there's something else that determines the value of something, and that is rarity. Rarity. If something is rare, it's very, very valuable. The rarest painting in the world is Raphael's Madonna. The rarest stamp is the one-cent stamp of British Guiana. The rarest coin is the Argenta of Athens. All of these items are worth millions and millions of dollars because they are so rare. And your soul is worth something because it's rare. No other soul is quite like you. No other person is quite like you. In fact, do me a favor. Will you just turn to someone beside of you this morning and say, there's no one else like you. Just remind the person beside of you that. There's no one else like you. <laughs> and some of you are saying, thank the Lord. <laughs> but nonetheless, <laughs> there is no one else quite like you. You're made in the image of God. They say that snowflakes, there's no two of a kind. 
When it comes to your soul, when it comes to the things that make you, you, you are not a carbon copy of someone else. You have been made in the image of God. You, your soul is rare because it's the only one that you'll ever have. But something else that determines value is the possibility of development. The possibility of development. Some things are valuable not because of what they are at the moment, but because of what they can be. You see people who specialize in collecting antiques, and they find an item that may be in disrepair. It may not look very good at the moment, but when they restore that object, when they make something out of that object, it's absolutely amazing. And so there's value in something because of its potential. Michelangelo, the great sculptor, once looked at a block of marble and he said, there's an angel in that block of marble and I'm going to set it free. He saw not just a block of marble, he saw what it could be under his workmanship. He saw the possibility of development. When God looks at you today, He not only sees you as you are, He sees you as you can be by His grace. And because of that, your soul is so very valuable unto God. And so if you're going to count the cost of being lost, you have to take into consideration the value of your soul. But there's a second consideration that you have to bring into the picture. And that second consideration is the vanity of the world. The vanity of the world. In verse 36, again, Jesus said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? In this verse, Jesus contrasts the world and the soul. There are some who would trade their soul for the world. And it's a horrible trade. And we're going to see why. It's a bad trade, number one, because you can't gain the whole world. It's impossible to gain the whole world. Hitler tried. He failed. Mussolini tried. He failed. Napoleon tried. He failed. If you try... You will fail. No one can gain the whole world. And then secondly, you can't keep what you do gain, can you? <laughs> Whatever it is that you gain, you can't keep it. You can't take it with you into eternity. In a funeral possession, you never see a hearse being followed by a U-Haul, do you? It just doesn't happen. Because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Charlemagne was the king of France around the turn of the 8th and 9th centuries. They called him Charlemagne the Great. He was extremely wealthy. After Charlemagne died, they placed him into his tomb. And he had some very specific things that he requested when he was entombed. And after several centuries later, they went into that tomb 
to see what was there. When they went in, they found that much of the wealth of the kingdom was there in the tomb. They also saw Charlemagne's embalmed body that was sitting upon the throne. His royal robes covered his body. There was a crown that had been on his head, but because his ears had decayed, the crown fell down and was now around his neck. And interestingly enough, by his design, in his lap was a Bible. And a bony finger was pointed to the very text that I'm preaching from this morning. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and then loses his own soul? You can't gain the whole world. You can't keep what you do gain. But then number three, if you could gain it and you could keep it, it wouldn't satisfy you. It honestly would not satisfy you. The things of this world cannot satisfy the deepest longings of the human heart. You see, down inside of every human being, there is a God-shaped hole that only God can fill. You can try to put everything else into that empty spot that you want to put in and you're still going to be empty until Jesus is allowed to have His rightful place in your life. So there's the vanity of the world. You, you can't gain it all. What you do keep, you, uh, what you, what you do gain, you can't keep. And, and if you could gain it and could keep it, it will not satisfy you. The vanity of the world. But then there's a third consideration that we have to take into account when determining the cost of being lost. And that third consideration is the vastness of the loss. You gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. The vastness of the loss. What makes this such a terrible loss if you lose your soul? Well, number one, it is an irreplaceable loss. It is an irreplaceable loss. Some things that you lose, you can replace some things. I mean, if you lose your watch, you can replace it with another watch. And just so you're not worried, I'm, I'm not going to lose mine here this morning. Got it right here, keeping, keeping track on the time. When you lose your watch, you can, you can buy another watch. I've had too many times. If you lose a diamond, it'll be expensive, but you can replace that. But if you lose your soul, you can't replace it with anything else. Some things are irreplaceable. A man... And woman who were engaged to one another, they got married. And they began their lives together. And after the honeymoon, they were back home starting their first typical work week together. And the wife got up early on a Monday morning and she fixed a good breakfast for her husband and, and made some biscuits and, and uh, she had this good meal prepared. And, and her husband walks into the kitchen and, and she's standing there in tears. She's crying. He's concerned about this. They're newlyweds and she's crying. 
And he looks at her and says, what's wrong, honey? She said, oh, I was going to surprise you and fix you a good breakfast. And I know how much you like good homemade biscuits. And I made some biscuits, but the dog ate them. He said, that's all right. We can get another dog. (laughs) We, We can get another dog. That's not a good way to stay married, by the way. But the truth is, you can replace a dog. You can replace biscuits, but you can't replace your soul. It is an irreplaceable loss. Secondly, it is an irreversible loss. You can't lose your soul and then decide out there somewhere in eternity, oh, I'm sorry, Uh, you can't come before God at the judgment and say, Lord, now I believe. I've changed my mind now, Lord. I can see that you're real and that eternity is real. No, you have to decide now, not then. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. The good news is if you want mercy, you can have it now. If you want grace... You can experience it now. If you want to know Christ, you can know Him now, but you can't put it off and wait until eternity because then it will be too late. It will be an irreversible loss. But then also if you lose your soul, it is an immeasurable loss. You can't measure the loss fully. That's what I'm trying to convey to you this morning. You can't really count the cost adequately or fully of what it means to lose your soul. Your soul is worth more than all the stocks and bonds on Wall Street. Your soul is worth more than all the diamonds and rubies in the world put together. Your soul is so valuable that had you been the only lost person on earth, Jesus would have died just for you. To lose your soul is an immeasurable loss. But then number four, if you lose your soul, it is an inexcusable loss. An inexcusable loss. Why? Because you don't have to die lost. You don't have to live one more day without Jesus if you don't know Him. God has made the provision for you. He sent His only Son into this world to die for you. You do not have to die and go out into eternity lost and undone without God and go to a place that the Bible describes as hell. Instead, you can go to heaven. And in addition to that, you can have the full and meaningful life that God wants you to have right here and now because Jesus came and He paid the price so that you could be saved. And salvation is offered unto us as a free gift. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because of the provision to go out into eternity lost, it is an inexcusable loss. Let me wrap this up with a story that I heard a number of years ago. It involved an apartment fire in Oklahoma City. 
this several-story-high apartment building caught on fire, and they had just rescued a woman from the flames. And the woman was in hysteria. She kept trying to tear herself away from the fireman, and she kept saying, my baby, my baby, I've got to get back in there. My baby is still in that building. And so one of the brave firemen who heard the plea of this woman, he went to the captain and and he said, Captain, if you will allow me to do so, I will go back into that building and I will try to rescue this woman's baby. And the captain said, the responsibility is yours. This brave young fireman put on all the fireproof clothing that he could put on. He had the oxygen mask that was on. And he climbs up the ladder to the window of that that apartment where the baby was. They spray him with water all the way up. and, And he gets to the top and he goes through the window into the bedroom. The room is so filled with smoke that he cannot see anything inside of that room. He feels along the wall until he comes to the corner where the mother said the baby bed was. And so he feels around and he discovers that that is the baby bed. And he reaches down and he feels a bundle. And so he picks up that precious bundle and he puts it under his fireproof coat. And he goes back over to the window and down the ladder. And as he gets to the bottom, that mother is there ready to receive her baby. And the fireman takes that little bundle and gives it to the mother and she begins to unwrap it. And when she does, a look of horror came over her face as she opened it and she said, that's not my baby. That's my baby's doll. I can't imagine anything that could be more sad than that, except to die and to go out into eternity clutching to yourself the toys of this world, thinking that that's going to bring joy and satisfaction when what you really need is the Lord Jesus Christ and there's no substitute for Him. So, Along with Jesus, I ask the question, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Whatever you would give, the cost is simply not worth it. The cost of being lost is way too high. So today, I want to invite you during this invitation, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, come and get in on the best deal that you could ever receive in this lifetime or in eternity. Walmart cannot touch this deal. The greatest sale that you could ever go to, the lowest price that you could ever get on anything, it will not compare with the deal that you get. 
when you come to Jesus Christ for salvation. And here's why it's such a good deal. He paid it all. He paid the price. You come and you receive salvation as a free gift. Think of it this way. You bring God the very worst thing in your life. Your sin. You bring God your worst. Your sin. And God gives you His best. His salvation. You can't beat a deal like that, can you? And so today, don't hold on to the sin any longer if you're lost. Come to Jesus. Receive Him as your Lord and your Savior. Let's bow together in prayer as we prepare for the time of invitation. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you will reach out through your Holy Spirit to every person who may not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Whether it be someone who's right here in this congregation at this moment, or it be someone who's listening to this message later, by means of a recording, however the word goes forth, however the message reaches them, I pray, Father, that their response would be yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that they would consider the high cost of being lost and that they would realize it's too great of a cost to pay to neglect their soul. May they come to Jesus today and receive Him. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Brother Billy is going to come and lead us in the song of invitation. Pastor William is going to be here at the front to help in this time. And as God speaks, as the Holy Spirit leads, come and receive Jesus today. If you've never done that, make that decision today. We're praying for you. Teach me.